Hello and welcome to Communities Forward. I'm your host, Terrell Carter. Communities Forward seeks to share the stories and experiences of people who are making a positive impact within their communities and neighborhoods, especially in the St. Louis metropolitan area. Communities Forward podcast is brought to you by RISE Community Development. You can learn more about RISE and how we participate in the process of helping neighborhoods and communities become healthier and more equitable at www.risestl.org, www.risestl.org. Today's guest on our podcast is Marianne Dirch, Principal of Courageous Communication. Marianne has almost 30 years experience working in the nonprofit world, helping organizations communicate more effectively, both internally and externally. From these experiences, she has authored a book called Courageous Communication, Why Codependence is Making Your Nonprofit Brand Boring and What to Do About It. Marianne understands that you can't change how your organization communicates without changing the culture that supports that communication. And on today's episode, which is part one of a two-part interview, she talks about her experiences helping organizations and leaders become more courageous. Hopefully, you find this an interesting conversation. Hello, Marianne, and welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I am awesome. Thank you. Yeah, yes, you are awesome. What is my <laughs> what, is, what is my motto for you? You are my hero. Yes, I am here. It's so good. <laughs> so good to know I'm a hero to someone. Yes, yes. Uh, one of the first things I like to do is, is to give our guests an opportunity to introduce themselves to our listeners. So in whatever way you would like, please tell our listeners, you know, about yourself. It could be about, like, you know, where you're from, your early child, any of those kinds of things. My early childhood? It doesn't have uh, to be on that. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I, I'm going to, I'm going to introduce myself this way. So this is the fundamental organizing principle of my life, which is I was a later in life child. Okay. Like when I was little, my parents used to call me Michelob because my dad worked for Anheuser-Busch and the, the tagline, Michelob's tagline was the unexpected pleasure. <laughs> and, uh-huh. So I had four siblings very close together in age. And then seven years later, I appeared and, um, um, and I, so I always felt like a like left out, you know, or not, not like I didn't quite fit in. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, like as a kid, when they would make those jokes, kids don't have filters. They don't understand nuance. And I was like, well, you know, am I a mistake? Am I like, and, um, it, it really shaped the way I saw the world as far as I, I developed a really huge sense of empathy for people being left out, left behind, marginalized, because that's kind of like my position in the family. That's how I felt, you know, because I felt so different than everyone. And um, so that's when I kind of uh, shaped my worldview into um, working in nonprofit and you know, sort of like focusing on how can I help people who feel excluded to be in, feel included. And that, so like when I tell you, like, I'll, I'll tell you this organizing story of my life. And that's really how I came into the nonprofit world and, and, you know, and made that my career. Hmm. That, I'm sorry. I'm, thank you. I did not know that about you at all. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so how, how are the uh, fam- familial relationships nowadays? Are, it, are you closer to your older siblings? Yeah. You know, it's so funny because my sister is 11 years older than me, but we like, she was a surrogate mom growing up, but she, you know, she and I are really close and 
my nieces and nephews, um, I've been an aunt since I was 11. My nieces and nephews are in their 40s, you know. So when, when, when my nieces and nephews would come of drinking age and, and we all go out or something, I'm like, you cannot call me Aunt Marianne in the bar. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, nope, <laughs> nope. Just Marianne is cool. Um, yes, and I, was, I got to be the cool aunt, you know, because my brothers and sisters were having kids and I didn't have kids. I was married, but I didn't have kids. So like, I got to be the cool, fun aunt, you know, for my nieces and nephews while they were growing up. And that's a, that's just a, an awesome role to have in a family is to being that adult. That's not, a, that's not an authority figure, mm-hmm. you know, like a trusted adult. That's not a teacher, not a parent, not a, you know, religious um, person in their life, you know, a, a priest or pastor. It's like, I am. And so I got to be the fun aunt. I'm, I'm just here to have fun with you. Let's enjoy it. Let's kick yeah, it. Yeah. 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 And, and, um, it's like my niece, um, like my nieces, my youngest nieces are like in their thirties and my niece and I are on a trivia team together. So yes. And we, my family has, um, it's coming up in a couple of weeks, a big crawfish boil every year. So oh, wow. in my backyard. Cool. Yeah. So I am one, I'm one of four. I have a twin brother. We are 12 minutes apart. We have a baby, a younger brother, nine years younger than us and a baby brother, 18 years younger than us. Wow. Uh, my uh, grandparents were teenage parents. They were pregnant and had my dad when they were 16. My parents, or me and my twin brother, our parents were teenage parents as well. And they had us when they were 17, 18. And my dad's younger brothers were 15 and 14. So I remember, actually they were younger than that if I'm remembering correctly. I remember when one of my uncles just graduated high school. Uh, so I can't remember exactly the, the age difference, but I, I remember when they were starting out and they were still living at home after they graduated as well. And so we had that kind of relationship with our uncles where they were our big brothers and not like the authority figures in our lives. And they they sounded like you, they relished that or they enjoyed that. Uh, we used to just go hang out with them. Me and my twin brother used to go hang out with them just constantly because we wanted to be like them. So anyway, uh, nice yeah. to hear. Yes. So what? Uh, tell us about your organization. What 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 organization do you run? Well, I'm sorry. Let's let's take a step back. Are you from St. Louis? How long have you been in St. Louis? Yes, I'm from. Well, I am from St. Louis. Um, I've lived here most of my life. Uh, I'm not um, asking you what high school you went to. You can. <laughs> I grew up in the county, moved to the city and made the city my home. Um, yeah, so grew up here. My, my family moved here because of Anheuser-Busch. My dad got a job here and that's why the family came here. Um, everyone else was born in, in Baltimore. I was born in Virginia, but I moved here as a baby and St. Louis is my home. Okay. So what is what organization do you run or what is it do you that you do with your life? So my company is called Creatives Communication. It was born out of many years of work in nonprofit, helping nonprofit organizations tell their story more effectively to attract people to them. And, um, and that I, I worked for um, 16 years for an amazing company in St. Louis called 501 Creative, founded by Karen Handelman. And um, I, through those experience, really shaped how I coach and train nonprofit uh, leaders to communicate more effectively. And my, but courageous communication um, 
the work that I do is what I found out over those many years is if you're not, if you're, you have to be communicating effectively internally to be communicating effectively externally. And what was keeping people from communicating effectively externally was internal communication, challenges, politics, right? Um, and the words, the brand wasn't the issue. The issue was being able to embody that message and be excited to share it with confidence. And that was what's keeping people from communicating effectively. So that's where I turned my work towards is really coaching and training individuals inside organizations to be better leaders to themselves and be better communicators to themselves and others so that they can then from that place communicate more effectively externally. Can you give me an example of what you're talking about? Obviously, I don't want you to name an organization, but I think that we, you know, those of us in whatever industry, we probably think that we do a really good job already of telling the story. Um, and actually, I would even want you to, I would first ask you to define what do you mean by telling the story? You, the two words that you keep using are, are two phrases is telling the story and communicate more clearly. What do you mean by that? So, um, so what, what I mean by that is, what, like authentic communication, the more authentic you are, the more people gravitate toward you. And authentic means for me that who you are and like who you are and what you do are as close as possible, right? And so like who you are and, and the story you tell are as close as possible. And does that make sense? Is that, okay, so. It does. When, okay, so when I work with organizations, it's like there's a, they, they want to express themselves in a way that's more authentic to who they are as an organization. And, and because what we want to do is, let me back up for just a second. Our job is not to make people to, our job is not to convince people to care about our organization. Our job is to be strong in our mission and message to attract like-minded people to us, right? So when we're, we're trying to convince people to care, that, that, that's, that doesn't work. That, that's so, a completely different philosophy. Right. So, so I, my job is to be strong in my mission, a message to attract like-minded people to me. All right. So then we understand like what that message is, what is like, and what is keeping us from that next level of authenticity. You know what I mean? That next level of, of, of messaging of, you know, like whatever the message or the brand is that, and so what, okay. So we have that message, what's keeping us from really stepping into it. And let, let me just give you an example, all right? So I'm working with an organization and, and they're, they're very bold and they take a very strong stance on a lot of issues around, um, you know, um, LGBT, trans rights, um, you know, immigration, all, all of these issues. And they have this bold fearlessness about them that they want to communicate, they do. Right. And now we have the message. We have the we have the energy. You know, it's like, yeah, we get it. That's who we are. OK, so let's start creating materials that capture this energy and start using this brand. And there's a hesitation. OK, what's wrong? What's going on? They don't. OK, what if we make somebody mad? What if we you know, so they they're playing they even though they're bold and want to be bold and that's who they are, they, their communication is like, 
a little, they're playing it safe because they're afraid to alienate people. You know, there's some in right now I'm working with them on some internal issues because some people on this team are pulling back and they're putting barriers. Um, not that they see them as barriers. They just have some really serious concerns about what it, what, if this, we do this, what is going to happen? Because there's any, any kind of change, as you know, is it's, there's a little bit of uncertainty, right? There's like, and that, so most people just go, oh, that feels super scary. Let's just go back to the safe messages, mm -hmm. right? And then they like, okay, why can't we attract people? Why aren't we getting people's attention? And so my book and my philosophy is really around, um, you know, managing like praise and criticism. A lot of times nonprofit organizations are terrified of criticism. So they're overly dependent on praise and very reluctant to do anything that be, could be criticized. But if you're doing or saying anything interesting, somebody's not gonna like it. <laughs> but that's okay, because those aren't your people, right? Your job is not to convince people to care. So it's really helping people move their thinking a, a, you know, to this so they can actually be an authentic communicator, right? And, you, and let the truth, like, you know what I mean? Like, let the real personality come out because that's what people want to connect to. They want to connect to the real story. So we're, so we're specifically talking about nonprofits right now. Do you work with more than just nonprofits? And the reason why I'm asking this, it, you'll see when I ask this next question, but do you work with all organizations that just primarily nonprofits? I work with, with nonprofits. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if a, if a nonprofit is, because the bottom line is, you know, everybody who works for it may believe in the model, may believe in the mission, but everybody wants to collect a paycheck as well. <laughs> so how do, how do you navigate that space of, and I'm going to use the word fear, you didn't use it, but how do, how do you recommend or you're not saying that people shouldn't be afraid that you said they're navigating this space between praise versus criticism. Right. Uh, and the idea is the more praise we get, the more we can ask for money, the more projects we can get, the more we can raise the funds to fulfill our mission. But when we start getting a certain level of criticism, people are going to shy away from us and, you know, we won't be able to have the funds to pay for us to be able to fulfill our mission, let alone, uh, take care of the people who are trying to do the daily work. How do you help them navigate that kind of thinking or have, you know, is that legitimate sure. for me to bring that up? Yeah, it is. It's absolutely because I think, and that's what we've been taught. I, that's what we were taught. Like, okay, we need people to love us. Um, and not, you know, and, and I think the thing is like nonprofit, just the word nonprofit is, is, a nonprofit. We're defined by a negative, by what we're not instead of what we are. And I think there's like in the, the psychology the like, I think we have like a, a, a complex as far as an industry wide, you know, uh, uh, because we're defined by, okay, so we're not profit, but it, but it comes from a place of um, like a little bit of a less than, I'm, well, we don't make a process for less than. So we have to show in order to feel equal, we have to be better than everyone else or show that we're amazing. And, and, and um, well, you know, the, the part of the challenge first is like a non-for-profit or a non-profit, that doesn't mean they can't make profit. It just means that 
right. the profit that is made is just rolled back, back into rolled back into, right. And so, but, but we kind of get hung up on this language sometimes of like being defined by this negative. And, and, and so what, what I, what I'm getting into is, you know, that we're already feel like because we fundraise, because we're, you know, we're dependent on others to help us fulfill our mission, um, that we have to have this very shiny, perfect praise filled image. And what, what is, what is really true is that the people who are criticizing, like, they're not your people, right? Like, they were never going to be your people. And we spend a lot of time trying to convince people, you know, like it, that, we want, like, we want to, we spend a lot of time and energy trying to convince people, getting people to care instead of really being authentic in who we are and attracting those like-minded people. And it's actually like, and when you shift that though, it, it, at first, yeah, it can feel really scary. It's like, and it's not like you're just stirring a pot for no reason. You know what I'm saying? It's not like you're just out there making controversy for no reason. That's not what this is. It's like, if we're authentic communicators, having trust that when we tell the, the truth of our of who we are as an organization, that that people will, the right people will um, be attracted to that. And just like as we are as people, right? You know what I'm saying? Like uh, I like the more authentic I am, the more influential and powerful I am. Because people want authenticity. And so when an organization communicates in an authentic way, like one of my clients and they're my client, I'm their client. We have this amazing long relationship as Foster Adoptive Care Coalition. They will stand in, in for what they believe, you know, sometimes and be criticized by other people in the community because of their stand. But they know that, that the people who are support them believe in them and understand why they're doing what they're doing. Instead of saying, okay, we don't want to say anything because that can make somebody mad. You, you have to stand for something. And then when, when people see them standing in and really standing up for kids and foster care, that only emboldens the people who love them to love them more, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. you got to stand for, I mean, that just that authenticity. And I've coached um, the executive director a couple of times through like just big deep breath moments of, uh, you know, I'm seeing something and I don't like what's happening. It's, it's just, a, it's, I know it's a balance, but it's, it's a different orientation to instead of pleasing all the time and feeling perfect because people know that things aren't perfect. You know, donors know that it's not, they, and so trusting your donors with the real story and um, they do a very, very good job of that. Um, so you mentioned earlier that you have a book. What is the book again? It's called Courageous Communication, and the subtitle is How Codependence is Making Your Nonprofit Brand Boring and What to Do About It. And it's, <laughs> and it's all about how you're pleasing, right? The, the idea of wanting to please everyone is causing you to not stand for anything and not attract people to you. Yeah. How do you, so obviously you would want people to buy the book or to hire you for your services. So I want to make sure they say that. Uh, so I'm not trying to get you to give away the all the information. Um, but what are some suggestions, just a few, like if you were to engage with an organization, what would be some of the things that you would immediately try to help them understand or to begin to work on? Yeah, so 
you know, I look at the first thing, if I, so, so I just want to say, I, I work in two ways. I work with individuals from different nonprofits in a group coaching model. So I take people from different organizations and we work as a, as a group on, um, on building their influence, which I'll explain in a minute. And then I also work with organizations around growing their influence and growing their communication skills. And the first thing that I look for is I'm, I do a lot of listening. Um, and I, I have these, when I work with an organization, I, I have these things I had called discovery sessions where we bring people together and I really look for um, like, like again, the gap. Okay, so who, this is who we are, and this is how we present ourselves. How how wide is that gap? You know what I'm saying? Is it is it really wide? Is it pretty narrow? Is it just? And then what's keeping them from really communicating in the way that they want? Mm -hmm. And um, is that always is that a shock to most organizations when you start having that kind of conversation, or are people aware already? I well, they're aware. Okay, so there's the presenting problem and the actual problem, right? <laughs> so there's the problem they know and admit to, which is they're not communicating effectively. The problem they know and may not be ready to admit to is it's less about the messaging and, the, and more about their internal communication okay. and their ability to function and communicate internally that's really keeping them from externally. And then, and sometimes that is a product of leadership, um, and so it allows me to then shift the conversation. Yes, external is incredibly important. Messaging and words matter and, you know, all of that matters. And yet, you know, it's what they want is for this external like brand or, or, or image to fix the internal. And it's actually the opposite. You know, okay. but, we, but that's a great starting place. That's, I mean, you know, I can start wherever you're at. That's a great starting place. But looking at more like how we communicate internally so that we can support each other and navigate this change and implementing this new way of, of communicating um, so that everyone is excited about it. And if, and if there's concerns that they're dealt with, because what happens is if, the, the like if it doesn't like if it doesn't feel right or like feels a little scary people just stop thank you for tuning in to today's episode check back again next week for part two of our interview with marianne hopefully you have a good rest of your week